And uh, great to be with you on TSN 1150 Hamilton. Uh, proud to be part of the Bell Media Network. This is a show called Swing Thoughts. Uh, and maybe we should take a second to explain what that is. I'm Humble Howard, Humble and Fred Show, legendary radio icon. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, I'm an icon now. Uh, icon class, all of the above. <laughs> Nothing sounds douchier than somebody describing, self-describing as a legendary radio icon. Self-appointed. Uh, yeah. Uh, golf spiritual leader. Great to be with uh, Tim O'Connor. Self-appointed is, is that, too. <laughs> O'Connor is a legit, you know, uh, golf writer, uh, best-selling author, most uh, famous, I suppose, for The Feeling of Greatness, which is not only a book, but it's it's what you feel when you hug Tim. <laughs> This is what I feel, anyway. It's very I I, cathartic. I this whole legit thing. I don't know where that's You're from. You're legit. Tim's the, the uh, head coach of the Guelph Griffins uh, golf team. He's also that's legit. a uh, mental performance coach. Tim dot, uh, O'Connor. What is your thing again? O'Connor.ca. I got a lot of Tims. Anyway, he's right. O'Connor.golf.ca. Right. There you go. Uh, this program brought to you by TaylorMade. Uh, number one driver in golf. A lot of people switching over to that TP5. And uh, now they got this. Do you remember we were talking to the boys at TaylorMade about this high visibility, high vis uh, new golf ball they're using? Yeah, the one with the cool, like, yeah. sort of sparkly thing on it. Well, it's got all these different, it looks like almost little maple leaves, but they're in a different shape. Anyway, I've seen them, and uh, everyone should get them because they're easy to find. Uh, and of course, thanks to uh, Adidas. And uh, in a few minutes' time, we'll announce the winners of our U.S. Open contest. We're giving away some golf balls and some Adidas shoes, shirts, and shorts. Wow. Uh, also on our show today, returning uh, to the program, is uh, Dr. Ed Collin. Uh, now, he and I have been, uh, you and I and he and I, we've all been going back and forth. And Ed was uh, gracious enough to uh, slide over a personal session he and I were going to have and become a guest on the show. Uh, it's all worked out. Dr. Ed is a skill acquisition specialist, a practice coach, and a sports scientist. And he'll be with us in our next half hour. And that will be fun. Um, speaking of fun, uh, pretty great uh, U.S. Open last weekend. I'll uh, start with you, Mr. O'Connor. Your thoughts, comments, concerns, what were your impressions? And then we'll uh, take the discussion where it goes. Well, I must disclose uh, my personal bias. I went into the U.S. Open uh, with my own game plan that it was ABB, anybody but Brooke. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Anyways, you know, so cool to see him make a, a charge there, but very, very happy to see Gary Woodland um, keep it going there. Um, man, talk about having a tidy short game. He's no, he's right up there with Kepka in terms of a you know a guy who can blast it out there for sure, and that's what he's been known for. But man, he made some larcenous saves. Uh, you know, just makes the point that boy, you want to you want to score in this game, devote some time to your short game. But mostly, what I really liked was how he and his caddy Brennan Little worked together. And how their process didn't change. It didn't matter whether it was Thursday or Sunday. They had their way of dealing with things that didn't change. They just had their little exchange. Are you committed? What's the shot? And let it go. 
And so I just thought that Woodland did an amazing job of just keeping himself centered, grounded. I love watching him walk. Was it from the 17th green to the 18th tee with his hands in his pockets? Yeah. That was great. He just looked like he kind of kept himself in check very nicely. Um, I don't know. I There was a moment there on Sunday once Brooks uh, Kepka got off to the hot start that he did. I thought, well, this will be cool. You know, maybe Brooks wins this thing and we get to see something that's not happened since, you know, the turn of the last century. And and I thought, how Im- I thought, how impressed? Pardon me. A guy named Anderson, I think. Willie Anderson, yes. Willie Anderson. 1908 or something. So I thought, well, this is interesting. It's kind of like witnessing history, and maybe Gary Woodland will fade. It's not that I wanted to. I'll tell you, my only beef with Gary Woodland is I think his hat's stupid. You know, I just, I do. I do. I think that I've always, it's funny. I was trying to think, why have I always not liked Gary Woodland? Because his hat's stupid. And the weird thing is, I know Brennan. I've known Brennan a long time. Uh, He's a national guy. Yes, he's a, well, he's a guy. I don't want to go into it, but I just, I've known him. I knew him when he was caddying for Weir. But I think if, if Gary Woodland had a, a, I don't like the short build caps. That's all. Anyway, at some point, I was thinking, isn't this impressive that Brooks Kepka has not only won the last two U.S. Opens, he's only a shot behind in this U.S. Open. Right. And then he faded, and then I started cheering for, uh, for for Gary Woodland and I in you know he is considered one of the nicest guys on that tour um and so it was it was good to see somebody other than Brooks win although I I kept calling him baby Brooks because you know he's built similarly he hits it so hard and far I I read something this week Timmy that people say nobody can hit it farther on the range than Gary Woodland Wow, like he could win a. They they were talking about his abilities, like a term, long drive contest. They, they t- he's got long drive contest strength if he wants it. Wow! But that shot, and I, the last thing I'll say is this: that shot that he hit on seventeen. Oh, maybe man. that it, it'll it'll be something they replay for years, a la Nicholas's one iron or Tom Watson's chip in. But what I th- thought was interesting about it was for the average player. Is there anything scarier than hitting a shot off that a, a lie so tight it's the green? Exactly. And the I just tightest thought lie you the could tightest have. lie you could get. I just oh, except for cement. I just thought of all the amateurs <laughs> watching and their butts tightening as he took that back. And, and that was it, the presence of mind to hit that in that circumstance. Right. Is what made him truly a deserving champion. And he absolutely that was the shot that if you had to point to one shot, although I did love the three wood on fourteen. Oh yeah. That was that was a great shot. And and I just have a sense it's like, okay, I can do this. So let's do it. I mean, sometimes it's those times in which you just kinda gotta go with what you feel and all of that. You know, they easily could have laid up, whatever. But you know what? This feels right. And so they went with it. But uh, the shot on seventeen He'd also had evidence. We've come back to this a number of times on this show that where does confidence come from? You build evidence. So his coach is Pete Cowan. They'd been working on that, and they'd actually been on the green. So isn't it kind of uh, synchronous, if you will, that he comes with that shot, he goes with it, and he pulls it off. But it's not by magic. It's not, you know, Hollywood 
uh, you know, oh my gosh, haven't done this shot for five years. No, he'd been working on it. But well, it's still not to take away from the absolute brilliance that, that he had to pull it off, and he did. Well, I mean, those two shots are a great, you know, bit of uh, something for us to chew on, again, for average players, because we had spoken last week about evidence and, you know, sometimes you feel, okay, I, I have this shot. It it happens. And, and when you're coaching, you know, players or I'm playing, you know, sometimes you're going to go for a shot. Because you feel in that moment you can pull it off. The the sheer strength that it took for him to hit that shot on fourteen, I mean it was as that's as good as it gets. I will say this, that shot Brooks Kepka hit into eighteen was oh, also yeah. as good as it gets, but it shows you that's how tough this game is. You you couldn't have hit a more perfect golf shot, again, under the circumstances. And maybe in other you know, it's just karma or whatever, but that should have stayed on the green. It should have been closer, and it should have been an easy birdie for him. And then, you know, as we all know in golf, if he birdies and kept uh, Gary Woodland's only got a, you know, like a one shot or a two shot, you know, it's all it's all different. It's all speculation. Absolutely. But you made your point there. I think is a good one, which is he's he he would have absolutely tried that shot a bunch of times, whether on that green or others, but he knows how... For us, it was scary, but for him, it's like, I know I have this, I just have to execute it. I think so much of it is just stepping into that good feeling. And he he had it, he's pulled that shot off, he's a great ball striker, so it was like, let's go after this. And I think that's so much of what we've been talking about on some recent shows, is really just tuning into what's going on you know, in your body and how you really feel, you know, not think it's feel what's going on inside this body of yours. And and that's just, I think for so many people, you know, we live in this information age and everyone thinks, 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 and we get disconnected. That's why men are such bad dancers. It's true. Most men are, <laughs> most men are bad dancers, my friend. Uh, most men don't like to ask for help either, you know, and uh, we don't like to admit that maybe we're not as certain or sure of the circumstances. And sometimes I don't think we prepare when it comes to golf for the inevitable. I was going to say bad. I don't like to use bad, but, you know, chaos is going to happen at some greater or lesser extent in every round. And yet we have this false sense of, well, maybe today will be the day that nothing yeah. bad happens to me. And then as yeah. soon as it does, you're like, wait a minute. Come on, golf. I practiced my short game all week, and then I just three-putted a bunch of times. Sorry. Exactly. Well, did, exactly. well, didn't Woodland, um, was it Saturday or on Sunday, he hit like a snipe hook left of left? Yeah, yeah. Was that on Sunday? Yeah, I, I'm one of the days for sure. And, he's, and I think that uh, that's where your Azinger goes. See, I would have been wearing nails. <laughs> AKA spikes. Yeah, as man. Opposed to these, oh yeah, that shot. As opposed to these lovely shoes you can wear to the golf course and then, you know, go go to um you know, Whole Foods or something afterwards. Well, one of the things we're gonna talk to Dr. Ed about, uh he wrote an article or not wrote he he shared an article on uh Twitter uh today and it's basically the article's called M M&M and M Got It Wrong. You'll get another once in a lifetime shot. And it's a, we'll explain it when we get him. But it's part of something called peak end rule. 
and mm. and we'll explain that. And it's what basically the the short of it is because I want I want Doctor Ed to talk about it. But we we tend to think of everything as the last thing that happened to us. You know, yes. so golfers are notorious for seeing everything. I don't know why, but we see everything through a prism of, uh, oh, my God, it's, we did play terrible. And we just all we see is the bad and we don't acknowledge some of the good that we can take away from around. Like when we started talking today, I, you asked me if I played men's night last night and I asked you how you played. And you said something like, well, I learned a lot. I, I took I, there was a lot to take away, and I said that life is more in <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I said, I said that's like when you date someone, you say, well, they had a nice personality. You know, Both maybe they were the, right? <laughs> exactly. But but your what I what you did is you described your round. You, you know, you started off well, and then things started to break down as they inevitably do. Yep. To all of us. So the takeaway, and you you have trained you know you know you've worked with me and other people, and we've all to train ourselves to see what can you take away. Was there a shot? Was there something? As opposed to the whole experience was horrible. Yeah, well, what I came away from, so I left the the the, the golf course. I was feeling like actually sad. I was kind of like, what the hell? You know, I've been, you know, working on this. I do all this. I, I lead freaking workshops on how to play this game and, and have more fun. And I came away from the golf course not having fun, apart from the guys I play with. Uh, I played in our group three Tims and a Peter. Nice. So, so keeping track of the Tims was interesting. And if, anyway, by the way, if you say good shot, Tim, you've got a 75% chance of being right. Good math. Good math there, pal. Mm. Um, anyway, other than that, it was, a, it was a good day. It was a lovely day to play golf. But I just had this sense of – so as I processed it, I was just – like, where was my attention? And my attention was internally. I was aware of that. And I went, gosh, when I play really good golf, I'm like target and go. And so it happens. You, I got distracted by my own sort of sense of, well, what are my hands – doing and stuff like that so goodness it's um so the learning i was taking from that was yeah just you know i reconnected to wow when i'm connected to my target some really good things can happen so that was the learning piece for me well when when someone who does what you and i do and talk about all the time it's not like you're it's like i don't get as mad as i used to but that doesn't mean i don't get mad and that doesn't mean that there aren't moments where I'm, you know, frustrated and, you know, pissed off at myself. But I, what I was saying to you is now I'm, I'm just better able. I haven't played a lot of golf this year because of my many injuries, but I've played a lot of tournament golf the last week or so. I've had one, like three or four good tournament rounds where I, you know, under pressure and whatever was able to cobble together some decent scores. But yeah, as I said to you, inevitably in every round, there's going to be a moment or two where you're going to be faced with a shot and a decision to make. And when I'm not freaking out, I'm able to make better decisions. And really, in the end, it comes down to that, I think, for a lot of golfers, is like our anger sometimes blinds us to the best route to take. To, to move forward in the game. And I think that it's it's analogous to life as well. That's why golf is 
such the ultimate metaphor, if you're a golfer, that is. <laughs> but it's like, what do we do? Something happens, stimulus, response. So is is the response a reaction? Anger? You know, petulance? Oh, I, I made a bogey. I need to make that with a birdie. Or choose to respond. And, you know, so so how does that work for a golfer? You know, your ball's in the trees and like, oh, my gosh. Well, I guess there's this little opening there uh, versus, oh, I got this. Breathe. Think it through. All right. You know what? Take my medicine. Chip out. And that happened to me a couple times yesterday. I, I had to kind of just chip out and wedge to 10 feet or so and made some putts. So, nice. And that felt so good. But my point is, is that there always comes to, yeah, golf life, there's a choice point. A lot of people say things like, oh, you know, this happened, this happened. No, you made a choice. That's to, So, you know, in life, when I take 100% responsibility for what I'm doing, I'm conscious. And I'm in control of my life as much as I can be. But there's always a choice point. And I think that's the interesting place is when we find ourselves, how do we want to show up, react or respond? I don't judge. We'd rather respond. There's a there's I call it like a false positive, but there's a false whatever sense of what golf is like at the professional level. We just think they never miss a shot, and that every round is just filled with puppy dogs and butterflies. But you know, <laughs> they the I was telling this to my brother. My older brother loves the game, and we were talking about you know how many greens and regulation. You know, is a, is good for an amateur. I said, you know, the best players in the world, the best stat of greens and regulation on the tour is under 75%. It's 12 or it's 13 or a bit greens around. That means a lot of them are hitting 10 and 11 greens and shooting 67. You know, they're, it's the rare, you know, the odd time they'll mention, oh, the, he's on par to pace for a 15 or 16 green round. That's a lot for them. So I don't know what our expectations as amateurs should be. But I think a lot of times we see the pro game and think that's supposed to be us too, and it's not. No, it's it's not. And I love the you use the word uh, expectations. And because we're on Zoom and you can see me as we speak, I'm going to yeah. do a weird thing, and that is I'm going to reach over my laptop, use my my uh, tailor made mullen putter yes. to close my window. That's cool because because the recycling truck is going to go by and make a lot of it, noise. It, it's okay. You know, people know that we're just two guys talking over microphones. Um, and I two old guys. So what two were you we talking guys, yeah. about? Well, I was going to say, one of the things that impressed me, I had a match last night, and it was men's night. And I love those because you have to play a, a match play situation, but you also have to hole your ball out. So it's right. a great. It's a. I've got uh, some good tournaments coming up. So you've got two competitions going on. And two competitions, and the guy that I played is a really good player. And um, we were pretty close, you know, most of the front front nine. And he ran into a little. I I had a couple of three putts in a row, gave him those holes, and then he gave me a couple holes. But the one that really impressed me was I had sort of fought back after giving away a couple holes, and we evened it up. I was two down. And then I was even. I was gonna go one up. We were we as a short par four. And I hit my ball on the fairway, and he had his out of out of play. We couldn't find it. But what I loved about what he did is, he took as much time on his provisional swing, and this is what most people don't do. He was as careful and and put everything into the second shot, the provisional ball. He because he because he 
you never know in match play, right? So because you never know, so he hits three off the tee, I'm right down the middle. I have, I think I had nine iron into the green, short par four, I'm in the middle of the green. And I'm thinking, well, I got this. And from the from the edge of the fairway, he hits his fourth shot onto the green to three feet. I three putt. He sinks it. We both we both make bogey. Now, yeah, it stung, and it was a drag that I tied the hole. But I was so impressed because you never know. You don't you don't know if you're a me. You don't know if I'm going to three putt. And what if he's like most people? Doesn't really pay attention. His three off the tee is a crappy drive, too. He makes double, which is what most people would make, or worse. But he ended up birdieing with his second ball. And I think that's a real good lesson, is that is if you give up, if you don't give up, you're not guaranteed success. We've said this before. But if you give up, you're guaranteed failure. There's just no way. Absolutely. So, so what's the most important shot in golf? It's a cliche. It's always the next one. And, and it doesn't matter if it's for you. We've talked about this so many times. It doesn't matter whether you're putting for a birdie or, or a 10 footer tri- for triple. Yeah. Give it your all because it's to me, it never ends. You, you know, we get on the first tee, we come off the 18th hole. It's that round is over, but this, our lives, our games, our life is just keeps continuing on. Yeah. So it's like, what do we take from moment to moment? So you know, what he demonstrated there, I think, was maybe even unconsciously that if we just give our all and show up the best we can in all situations, yeah, things can work out pretty nicely. Not always. Well, not always. But I'll tell you what, you feel better. I know from you know my experience in tournament play the last few years, you know, continuing to sort of, I don't like to use the word grind because it means that you're just yeah, like, but it, trying but hard, trying, yeah. but the, 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 like my friend, Paul Henrik always says, good follows good. If you're continue, if you know in your heart that you've given up and that excuse, like you can kind of say to yourself, well, I shot a million today, but you know, I really didn't try, but that's only you. And you know, inside that you gave up, there's yep. something, even if you shoot a million, whatever that number is for you, but you know that you tried on every shot, it it bodes well for the next round when things are going better. You know, like it just does. It's weird. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And you know what? Just um, That's what I felt after yesterday's round. I didn't play all that great, but you know what? I, I gave it my all. I didn't give up on any shot. It was just one of, one of them days, you know? One of them. You know, and I had one uh, last Wednesday night uh, our men's night came after I had, hadn't played this much yet, but I played Monday in a tournament, Tuesday in a tournament, you know, where I was, you know, in, excuse me, uh, you know, a little bit more careful about this or that. And I played pretty well. And then I get to men's night last week and I played horribly. But I'll be honest with you, I could tell in my body that I was tired. I was walking yeah. and, you know, I started off okay, but I could tell I just wasn't there. I was mentally and physically fatigued. So I, I knew last night I'd played a couple days this week, and I said, okay, if I have this match, and I've been up since 4 in the morning, I'm going to take a cart today. And it was a smart thing to do <clears throat> because it helped me conserve my energy, and, uh, and I I was able to you know focus maybe a little bit better. But the point is when you give up, it bleeds into your next round because it, it teaches you that giving up is okay. Yeah, and another point that, that you – is that you were conscious of how you were feeling. Again, a lot of people may not 
be the in just living in their heads a lot um gosh that sounds very judgmental but um thinking 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 and you know get on the golf and start to struggle and then go oh wait a sec i could be very tired yeah i could be tired i could be hungry maybe i drank too much coffee to to as you've said recently about you know you start to connect with you know what's going on below your neck you can kind of rather than beat yourself up you know, I, I drove home last week going, okay, that's cool. You know, I had a nice top 10 or whatever, top five in one tournament, top 10 in the other. And I went, okay, wh- I'm not going to judge my week by how crappy I played on men's night because I know what was going on for me. Yeah. I I was just, I'm nearly 100 years old. But it, it's amazing how often uh, it, it happens to me. It happens to other people. They go, wow, you know, it's not golf, not restricted to golf, certainly, but other things. And then they kind of go like, oh, yeah, now that I look at it, I didn't have much chance for success. I was tired or this and that was going on. Yeah, no wonder. Um, all right. This is Swing Thoughts. When we come back, we'll tell you who won the uh, tailor-made uh, golfing balls and a, an entire Adidas prize package as well. Uh, an old friend returns to the show, Dr. Ed Collin from uh, Ireland. Uh, we'll be talking about all kinds of uh uh, ways to make your golf better and how you take... I love this. Well, How do you take whatever you're doing uh, in practice and put it in play? This is Swing Thoughts on TSN 1150. Welcome back from the break uh, here on TSN 1150. It's great to be with you. This is Swing Thoughts. Tim O'Connor, Humble Howard, and in a second, our guest, Dr. Ed Collin from uh, Ireland, will be in talking about uh, all kind of things. But first, Timothy, are we? It's pretty cool that we have uh, TaylorMade and uh, Adidas as our sponsors. We're very grateful for that. It's amazing stuff, and and we're able to share it. We are. Uh, to that end, we uh, gave away uh, last week our skill testing question was uh, wraps in six. The Isn't it weird still thinking about the fact that here in uh, this area, we are the NBA champions? How is that? We are the champions. And this is amazing. No, am- no it is. It's, it's, it, I was talking about this at uh, one of my workshops. It's like, really? Toronto's not the ultimate losers? You know, yeah. Are we going to get close to this and then ultimately flub it? No, we delivered. It was cool. Uh, we want to I con- used the we word there. i got to be know. careful. You, had, you were that uh, plucky uh, power forward off the bench. <laughs> Let's congratulate. Uh, these guys have won a dozen tailor-made golf balls, TPI-5s. Uh, this goes to Jadel McGuire and John Rediek. And uh, thanks uh, for... Uh, Entering and the Adidas prize package, the shoes, the shirts, and the shorts go to Christoph McSween, and those will be uh, sent out to you shortly. You uh, lucky people. Yes. Um, and we're very lucky to welcome back to our show a uh, gentleman uh, who can only be described as um, a, a bright light. Uh, in this uh, darkness that is the world. <laughs> he is... Um, where did my intro... Sorry. Hold on. Where's the big intro? Hold on. Here we go. 
I had a big intro. Dr. Ed is a uh, skill acquisition specialist and a practice coach, a sports scientist, and a uh, welcome guest wherever he goes. Dr. Ed Collin, there he is. Look at him. Look at hey. him, people. Hi, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having me back on. Well, thank you, sir. And how are Good things? You. Where do we find you today? Tell people where in the world you are, Waldo. Today, the, the same place I've been on previous chats. I'm at my desk in my office in Cork Institute of Technology in, in the southern, on the south coast of Ireland. And um, yeah, just looking forward to catching up. There's always, every time we've spoken, there's some really good topics that we've covered. And I always, I always leave with a couple of pages of notes to go and follow up on. So I'm looking forward to the same today. Well, we always get something out of it as well. Uh, Tim and I have had a chance to, you know, talk uh, with Ed personally, and it's always illuminating. Um, before we get to uh, Eminem Got It Wrong, we, we started the show today a half an hour or so ago talking about what we can take away from Gary Woodland, the U.S. Open. Do you have any thoughts uh, off the top about what we uh, witnessed uh, last weekend? Yeah, I, I think it was incredible, to be perfectly honest. I think the... The manner in which he he played through the week was so controlled. It just there, there seemed to be a sense of inevitability almost, which is impossible to say when you're talking about majors, when you're talking about all the other best players in the world who are ch- breathing down your neck. But he he was just fantastic. He was absolutely fantastic, and to see how I think like anything else, he appears to be this kind of guy who has just been layering elements onto his game as the seasons have gone on. So it's almost, and that's where it comes back to almost that inevitability again. If you consistently work at improving yourself in a, progress, in a progressive way, well then when, when your time comes to, to grasp something, it won't feel like a big step up. It won't feel like a big leap because this guy has been adding elements to his game. I saw only there recently, he's been, he's been working with Phil Kenyon, the, the putting guru who's been again adding another element to his game and among other people but it's just it's just great to see that someone he, he, he never it never appeared like in, especially in, in his recent seasons that he was settling at all he was always pushing to get better yeah I I love that what's so cool about that I find with really good players they have an adage is they keep knocking on that door one of these days it's going to open mm. and I love what you said about Woodland. That was very cool that, you know, he's been working on his game. He's, he's been in recent years, like he, we, Howard and I were talking earlier, he's always been kind of known as one of those bombers. Oh, here's mm-hmm. Gary Woodland. He can hit it out, you know, off the planet. Um, but that what he did was he got to a stage where his game was so improved that when he was, when the door was open, he was able to step through and it didn't feel like he was in a foreign environment. It was like, no, I've been readying myself for this and here we go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And I also like the, the element, you know, and there's obviously a bit of a backstory that has been emerging for probably you guys. And that's, that's how the, the water would have known it before, but people on over here wouldn't have been, would not have been aware of his, his background in other sports and the fact right. that, a good a good basketballer in college and so on and so forth and I just think that feeds so so nicely into the narrative of uh, of of an athlete playing golf what, whatever your other sport is or other sports that to allow a guy to you know swing his swing and attune himself to this to 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 how he plays the game and you know I'd say his timing and all that there's so there's so many things about the athleticism of what he does. That I that no doubt he's 
you know, that it's things that he would have developed long before he ever thought about golf of being, uh, as being his main breadwinner. Um, that's just, it's a, a good story. On top of the fact, it just seems like uh, I've never seen so many other pros say yeah. how good a guy this is off the Right. Court. No, exactly. And, and by the way, guys. You have a genuine appreciation of just how fortunate it is and how he engages with the young kids and so on and so forth. It's pretty but, cool. Uh, you know what, Ed and, and Tim? To be honest with you, and I follow this sport as you know deeply as most people that we know, I, I didn't really know that about him. I had no sense of what a person he was. And, of course, you go back and you see the video with that young girl at the golf tournament. Amy, Amy Bakker. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. he surprised her on the Today Show in New York. I mean, he's, he's really a genuinely good guy. But let's get to uh, some stuff here, Ed. Now, if you go to Ed's um, Twitter feed, the pinned tweet is all about testing, practice, transfer, and performance. One of the things that Ed does so well with so many players is this idea that I like the, the skill acquisition, in, in, and it's kind of what Woodland did. He acquired the skills necessary over time to improve, and that really is one of the barriers, Dr. Ed, for a lot of amateur golfers is that we know we'd like to be better, but we're not really maybe ready to acquire the skills necessary. Yeah, I think it, it, it's a nice, again, it, it's an interesting point because one of the beauties of that, what you just said there about someone acquiring the skills and, and he's, he's, he appeared to be now ready to take that, take that, um, you know, when, when it came. But it was what I, what I loved about his play last week was the adaptability. Here's, this is not a guy who's trying to hit the exact same swing on every single shot. He is. He he appears to be completely au fait with the fact that, well, you know what? It's a different lie. It's a different uphill lie, downhill lie. It's it's uh, you know the, the the type of grass, the conditions, the wind coming in off the the the, the Monterey Bay, the different swirl, different things that are happening, the small size of the greens, the run off the greens, and all this. He he appears to, especially in some of his interviews, he just talked about being ready to play the shot was that was in front of him. He wasn't talking about dialing in a swing. He wasn't talking about that got into I got into a groove and I just I lost myself in the flow of it. No, no, no. He was very aware. He was very aware through the four days and he just was able to adapt to whatever was thrown at him. But the amateur would say to you, and I and I've heard this before, so is Tim, oh that's easy for him. He can create different shots. But the irony is the amateurs are the one trying to make the same swing every time. Which is is ludicrous. They're trying to do the one thing their teacher told them, and yet that shot might require a different approach to the to this. To, as you say, the lies different, the winds different. Yeah, absolutely. And I think and I think sometimes the amateurs can have an, an advantage over the pros because the pros play at such a high level, they could find themselves seeing a lot of similar type of shots because they hit it far, yeah. they hit it on the way, they hit it on the green. But the amateurs can actually afford themselves greater opportunities on the golf course because you know what? They hit a lot more roughs. They're in a lot more different tight spots than the pros might be. And they're in conditions that are not as good. The greens that the amateurs play on aren't as good as the, as the pros. The, the, the lovely um, the fringes around the greens aren't the same. The, the, the condition of the fairways aren't the same and so on and forth. And yet, even with all that, essentially that 
uh, unpredictability in the amateur game, they still look to try and control too much, in my, in my opinion. I'm sure there are people out there who say, well, no, it's, it's all about control. But I'm, I, I fail to see that, and the evidence doesn't support that either. How did you like watching the way that Woodland managed himself when he hit the ball into difficult spots? Was it Saturday that he had the ball? Like It was in that bunker in the grass, and I think he shanked it. Mm. And, there, and another time he hit the ball, he, I think he slipped, and we talked about it earlier, he sniped it left, and, and then he had to hit it out of the hay. How do you think that he managed himself? And what I'm asking here is, how do you think the amateur can connect to what the pros do to collect themselves when they hit it into bad spots and have to recover? Yeah, brilliant question, because it was something that I actually I, I spotted myself. Because he seemed to be able to move on incredibly quickly yeah. and be able to realize which is something that the amateur struggle with that what I've just done if I if I think about what I've just done too much before I try and get up to solve the next problem right. I'm not in my problem solving and and that's the beauty of the things the thing we might get to talk about opportunities this guy I, I you could see by him was just so much aware of okay the more I can free myself up to play the next shot with all of my attention on this shot and not be worrying about why I'm in this position right. in the swing that got me in this position because maybe it was a, an errant seven arm but you know what I mightn't hit that seven arm for another for another hour and a half because mm-hmm. of all those coming up between now and then and isn't it funny the amateurs move on quickly and well that's what the, it, it, that's what you know there's lots of things that separate us from professionals but one of the things that I love to watch for is just that. Is and I was talking about this with Tim. You know, I played a match the other night and you know, I just won't involve myself in how slow the group ahead of us is, what kind of conditions there are. You know, I don't I don't like to report on, you know, it's so easy golfers go, Well that last shot was bad because of this. I just want to leave it. I don't like to tell you why, well, the lie was bad or, you know, I didn't say this to you last night, Timmy, but I had three good drives that just were on the edges of of divots, but I never told the guys in my group because I don't want to give it any energy. It's not germane to the solve the problem that needs to be solved in front of us. What do you think, Timmy? Well, what we talked about, we talked about during the break was getting caught in the story. Right. So I'd like to just go straight to Ed because uh, I just think he's got so much to share. Golfers have such a, and everyone in all the different parts of their life, something goes wrong, then we have to explain it. And I think that that's an energy drain, and that's living in the past, and that's like just not being, you know, it's a cliche, being in the moment. What do you think, uh, like how do, I think golfers do have a tendency to get in the story. How do we keep from getting caught in the story? And we're kind of at what I call the choice point. I talked to it in the last half. How do golfers manage themselves? We're in those situations where they, they could so easily get caught into a story. Yeah, I think the ancient, the, because again, it's something that you see a lot. I think so much of that is built around the context of what the player sees that's coming up. So you you play, the, the you know, you play in that little Sunday medal match with your with your mates and it's great. And then two weeks from now, there's the captain's prizes coming up. And all of a sudden, you start doing things that you would never do for the Sunday medal. That's right. Right. But now, all of a sudden, I'm, uh, it's the captain's prize. And now, oh, my God, I'm, I'm playing with my mate, Billy, and, 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 and Hank, really good golfers. And I want to, you know, and I'd love to win this prize because my, you know. And you're saying, well, hang on. Did, well, our tea time is at 10 o'clock. Well, okay, I'm going to be there at 8.30 because I'm going to go to the ring. <laughs> 
and I'm going to bring my my band and I'm going to do my stretching and all this and they're like hang on a second when was the last time you stretched what I got to do is the, it's the captain's prize day and you're like oh, yeah. you've gotten ahead of yourself you've just put more on this day than any other day right. and I, when we when we look at some of the guys out there on the on the tour at the moment and then some of the guys that in some of the guys that I'm working with they're just brilliant at normalizing the week because as we've said before and it's almost the cliche stuff the golf ball doesn't know it's in a different tournament the clubs have no idea that you're in a bigger ranking tournament than a lower ranking tournament no, nothing is that is all of what the that's the human defect that's actually in infecting the space that's creating all this additional baggage complicates the story as you call it and like that the story gets complicated um, let's get uh, to Eminem now. Yes. I don't know if you guys can actually hear. I've got a little uh, Lose Yourself playing in the background. Uh, Dr. Ed on Twitter this morning uh, put out a, an interesting article about, and I wish you would explain it. The idea, Eminem says you only have one chance. Uh, don't lose your opportunity. And sometimes we look at athletics like that. But in actual yep. fact, in sport, we have more than one opportunity to, to shine. Well, that's the story to some degree, right? Yeah, and exa- exactly. That is the story. And I think that's something that this, this, this column that you speak of, uh, I, I do a summer column in, in, with the Irish Examiner here. It's a, it's a national paper and it would, it would be seen as one of the main kind of sports uh, outlets uh, in, the, in the newspaper space in Ireland. And one of those, one of those things that it kind of affords me is, is that, that very thing, to be able to see something that's happening in the sport and be thinking, you know what? I'm not too sure if that's helpful. And I think when I, when I, some of the commentary that was going on in some of the sports that we were watching here back in, back in Ireland last weekend, there was an awful lot of talk about this opportunity. Oh, they've missed an opportunity. Oh, they have to wait till next season. Oh, that's another opportunity missed. And I was kind of looking at my kind of in a reflective space and I was thinking, well, I've been kicked in the nuts more times than most. <laughs> I've been knocked back more times than most and I've made significant major mess-ups and cock-ups in my coaching space. And yet, if I actually look, reflect on them, they all launched the next place for me. That's so right. those things were real opportunities for me to learn. So I just, as I said, I wasn't quite comfortable with what I was hearing at the weekend. And literally, as I went in, I, I came into the office on on, uh, on uh, yesterday to, to write the column. And all of a sudden, I put in, I put in about opportunity and what comes up was only Eminem's song. That's right. I remember that song and all of a sudden I, I listened to the song and I was like, that's not the right message. I'm sorry, man, but you got that wrong. <laughs> I don't know Eminem, but I was like, you got that wrong. I, I may not say that to his face, but from the comfort of my, <laughs> from the comfort of my office, I was happy to take a, take a pop because there is, it is not about a, a last opportunity and because the, the incredible thing that I would see in sport, especially in golf, is that if you start the round with a bad hole, you've got 17 more holes to make amends. If you have a poor Thursday, like there's guys, there's guys that I know and, and many, many guys across Europe right now are teeing up in, in events today, first day, Thursday in, in events. Today mightn't go so well. Do you know what? You've got a brand new opportunity tomorrow. That's right. There, and if it doesn't go well tomorrow, you know what? You've got an opportunity next week to make amends. One of the heart. I'm just going. Sorry, finish. Well, one of the things that the media do, and I don't mean to throw the media under the bus because I consider that Howard and I are in the media, is that they create a drama. The hol- mm. There's a storyline. And so they hook people with this. Oh, this is his opportunity. He better get it. And it's just a story. 
Yeah. Well, what I was going to add, too, is that so many golfers judge their day, and we've spoken about this on a couple different occasions, on how they start. And for some reason, they don't, they can't see beyond the first couple holes. And I've told this story before, but a good player I know often has this phrase, well, there goes the day, whether it's the, <laughs> and, I, and, and sometimes it'll happen on the fourth, he'll double bogey the fourth hole and say, well, there goes the day. And I used to, I, I sort of kid, kid him. I would say, well, how do you know that this fifth hole isn't going to start the best stretch of golf you've ever played? It's possible. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if you think it's not, it's not. But it's always yeah. possible. There was, a, there was a great story last year. There's a, there's a golfer here in, the, in, in Europe, a Welsh guy, Stuart Manley. He's now, he's, he, he got his full card in the main European tour for this season. But last year he was on the second tour, which is the Challenge Tour. And he was playing an event in Saint-Omer in France. And it's one of the most challenging and toughest events really on the tour each year. It's a, it's, it's a great test of the players. And he finished his round. He was a few shots back off the lead. He was done. He was packing up his car and yeah. called out and said, Stuart, you're in a playoff. He was like, I'm what? <laughs> like he, he was done. He was going home. And there's actual video footage right. from last year going away from the course. He was done. But, of course, it, wa it wasn't over. It, it, it was... There was guys out there, they, their day hadn't finished the way they had hoped it was, but he had seen that well, it was finished. And of course, as you were saying, well, that's the day gone. It's narrow. You can't say that till it's over, in, in one sense. He went back in, played the playoff, and won the event in the playoff. And he was actually filling the filling his car with his, his clubs and his shoes, and he was about to, <laughs> um, you know? Now, we're, here's what I'm going to propose. Uh, we've got about five minutes left on our radio show the last time you were on with us we were doing this podcast but since then we've been taken off by a sports radio station that's running our show as well now okay. what we sometimes do timmy at the end of the show is a little podcast extra and if you're okay with it because tim's gotta do some family business for our podcast extra today can i continue with dr ed because uh i thought it might be fun because ed's been working with me a little bit this year and maybe we can talk ed you and i about getting ready for tournament play because a lot of people are i guess you call it captains but a lot of club championships start happening mm. and when you, you know tim that's so funny you see nothing nothing mean you can tell the club's champ the club championship is coming by how many guys you see practicing their short games for the first time that season <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Because it, they made it into a big story and it better show up well. Hope I don't embarrass myself, et cetera, et cetera. And I like the fact that you almost like asked me for permission as opposed to telling me you're going to do this thing. So, well, yeah, go for it. Why not? Goodness. I just like to. Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. And, and before, it's, it's, before, before, another dead giveaway on those days is when the guy rocks up in his brand new pair of golf shoes. Yeah. And you're like, Really? You are not going to break them in? You're going to wear them? That's funny. <laughs> also, that, the fact that some guys are stretching for the first time since grade nine. Um, react to this. So we, we talked about Eminem, and there are more than one opportunity. But this is something. So when I saw your article, I was looking at something, and this just popped up. It's called The Peak End Rule. Right. And, and it's something I've noticed when I've done stand-up. It's why comedians all want to finish on a, a big laugh. You get the you get the laugh and you say good night, and that leads to applause. So the peak end rule, gentlemen, says that people judge an experience based on how they felt at its peak and at its end, 
not the average of every moment of the experience. And that's good and bad. That's why a lot of golfers will leave feeling horrible about the day because all they can think of is the worst shot, the peak, and then maybe they ended poorly, but they don't think about the front nine where they had a nice sort of stretch going. And it's, it's like we can only remember the highlights and how it ended. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, that you've actually just reminded me of a great book that I'm actually currently reading. For any coaches out there, there's a book by Chip Heath and Dan Heath called The Power of Moments. It's incredible to see how we process different moments in time. But also with this book, it actually helps you create those memorable moments, create those moments that stick in your mind about a moment of learning or a moment of achievement or a transition from one space to the other. So in the golf space, a transition from being a, an 18 handicapper to a 12 handicapper or, or, or a transition from being an amateur into a professional. There are important things to actually mark that transition to help you realize yourself in a, in a new environment, in a mm-hmm. different environment, which is, which is key. Because again, as you said, that peak end rule, it can lose, you can lose out on a lot of critical information that went, if you're only looking at the highlights at the start and the end, there could be some really interesting and important stuff for your development in the middle. And, and Timmy, you know, you work with a lot of, of golfers and, they, and it's like they all want to report on the worst things that happened that day. <laughs> yeah, it's like my university golfers. Always, I don't want them to be driving back to to Guelph uh, saying, oh, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. I'm 15 and uh, all this mired in misery and woe. I always have them debrief. What was the best shot you hit today? Yeah. And what can you take from your learning from today that we can take forward? Yeah. And I think the average player listening, and we always like to end the show with that. If you're listening, you're about to go tee it up, or you're going to play tomorrow, and you got an inter- a big tournament coming up, that you, you, you at least assess. I, I like to use this phrase, mark yourself softly. Oh, you know, yeah. Lovely, lovely. I think it works with uh, for yourself and, and significant relationships. To mark one another softly is to... Is to look for those moments where you where it wasn't so bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love like that. Mark uh, yourself I softly. Like I like that. Hey, Doctor Ed, hang on a second. We'll do a little podcast extra. Uh, thanks cool. very much uh, to TSN. We certainly appreciate being part of the family. Taylor Made and Adidas, and uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of Swing Thoughts here uh, on, uh, of course, iTunes, Facebook. And uh, on the Bell family, uh, TSN 1150 Hamilton. Hang on. Meantime, sound of the river, you stop and you hold everything. A band is growing, Dixie, double fall time. You feel alright when you hear the music ring. All right, this is our uh, podcast extra. Uh, we always like to do a couple minutes at the end of the show that's not on the radio so we can swear. <clears throat> I haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, Ed and I were working together. We talked a lot about, uh, you know, uh, let's just looking over our notes. I love this phrase, expect to play world-class golf. Um, yeah. I, I think I think the I think the interesting thing that some of some of our discussions is to ensure that the the easy thing for golfers to do is to do quantity of practice. Yes. But the challenging thing is to make sure that it's quality practice. 
So yes, that may not that may result in less trials and less attempts. But if it's if it's filled with the good context, if it's filled with a real a, re, a shot that's really where you're at at the moment for something that you're trying to improve on, and if it's got and with things we've discussed, if there's a consequence to it that's personal to you, yeah, then you have a there's a really strong chance of that practice re, re, resulting in a good performance when you'd like it to happen when is when you're in a competition. But so all too often we get stuck into this space of I've got to work on my, my, my putting. So I'm going to go and do my 53 foot put drill. And you're like, whoa, okay. And or I'm no, no, I, I, I had, I had a bad seven iron on the eighth yesterday. So I got to work my seven iron. So I'm going to hit a bucket of seven irons. <laughs> you get, you get into this dreaded ball drag effect because yeah. the bucket tipped over in the corner and you're just standing in one place and you just drag ball in after ball after ball. And I think that's where some of the things that we've been discussing uh, on our calls is just to to alleviate that sense of false achievement because you know what it, it's almost like a fast food meal. You're, you're full up for a few minutes afterwards, but then you're wondering, well, how, how did I just have a a double a, a double burger and fries and a soft drink, and I'm hungry 30 minutes later? How's that possible? You know, because it's well, it's not filled with anything nutritious. Well, a couple things to uh, respond. You know, I watched the uh, the early round coverage at one point last weekend of these guys on the range at the two at the U.S. Open, and what I I, I love this. I was watching. I can't remember who the pro was, but they hit every shot. Took. A long time to hit, even on the practice range. They they clean their club, they reset, they take their grip, and it's how I practice now. I practice. Yeah. I hit a lot less shots, but like I warmed up. Uh, I, you know, the, I did a I did a day of block practice and transfer practice on Tuesday, and then yesterday I get to the club for a, a match. I have a match, and I've got to play a stroke play event, and I got there late, so I only had time to hit about I don't know twenty golf balls before I played. But from the very first one to the 20th, I had a target. I did my pre-shot routine. And so I felt kind of, I felt ready when the, when we started playing. Cause I'm like, okay, I've, I've already hit some shots to a target. I'm, I'm yeah. confident in my short game cause I've worked on it, but I've also, I've practiced in a way that makes me feel like I'm in competition because I'm going through my routine the same way I would as if I were in competition. Yeah, and I think just to go back to the point that you made, the observation about what was going on in Pebble Beach last week, some of the footage from the range I found fascinating because I was struck, not surprised, you'd hope, but I was struck by how many guys had their yardage book out on the range. Yeah, and explain why they're doing that. On the course, they've got their yardage book, they've got something that they're taking in, and they're they're simulating that in-game mode pre-game yeah and just and these are the really simple easy wins this is the low hanging fruit of practice to simulate those those elements of practice so that you're you're already plugging your system your body you into game mode before you hit the first tee now i thought of you the other night because um the golf channel on monday and tuesday here in north america ran the ben hogan story a very interesting. I, it'll, it'll, if you, you get the Golf Channel. Just check it out. It'll, it'll run a few other times. But they talked about Ben Hogan having invented practice. But one of the things he does, and I, this is why I thought of you, one of the things they showed him doing is playing the entire round on the range. 
This, and, and this was unheard of in those days. Everyone thinks of Ben Hogan, you know, fun, the, the, he, the, you know, the whole thing was, you know, the, the, the secrets in the dirt. And everyone thinks that he hit a billion golf balls, so he was great. No, he hit golf balls with purpose. And one of the phrases, one of the phrases the narrator said, you know, most people wouldn't think there would be any benefit from the 50th five iron. But Ben Hogan found some. You know, because he, he was preparing to play, not just honing some motion. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. And that, and that is, again, more footage, because I love the practice range. You can imagine, I'm looking, I'm thinking, what, what, who, who's actually here? And again, we don't know what's, because there could be guys doing things on the outside, looks like something, but so we get that. But what I also liked, there was a, quite a few times where you'd see a guy, and he would, on the range, yes, this, he's sitting out into this expanse, but he changes foot to maybe you know he changes his, his his stance to a couple of feet to the left or right to hit in a different direction so that he wouldn't and again why why would they do that it's so that they don't get entranced into the idea of just hitting into the abyss yeah. i want to, have to move my feet and reset my my stance and rebuild the shot from fresh again as i would do on the course you know they've done uh, research i know you know this but i'll put it i'll put it out there to people they've done research you can look it up um and and they've proven that repetition drill oriented practice is useless now if you're acquiring a skill you know 15 or 20 minutes of block practice where you're just using that motion is fine as long as you go on to something else after it because what most golfers do is they get sucked into i hit my seven iron bad now i have to learn to hit my seven iron good so i'll stay here all day trying to do well, that it's, it's interesting you say that because myself I, my, myself and two of my research collaborators we just have a, a paper that is in its final sp- stage of of review so we're hoping for a favorable response in the next couple of weeks and what the the work the paper we were doing was looking at the impact of a style of practice that on the outside might look like block practice. However, if after every second trial you go back and you reflect on, well, I'm happy with what I did there. What would I do better the next time? And what do I need to actually, what, what do I need to take from it into the next one? And all of a sudden what we showed was that you actually reduced the block practice effect of if I just do this by rote and not getting anything out of. So by just layering in some reflective practice, into some block practice, you then immediately you can you, we're, we're showing there's signs of reducing the null the nullifying effect of mm-hmm. just doing that over and over again. So even if you are even if you're stuck in a situation saying I can only bring one club to the range and I can only do whatever, great. But but don't do don't get don't fall into the the ball drag effect and yeah. just drag all after. After every shot, come back and be like, okay, what did, what did I try to do there? It's like, it's like a, I remember my wife telling me years ago, good photographers, how do they learn how to use their, their, their camera really good when they get it? They'll get, a, they'll get a flower and they will take 50 different shots of that flower, but in each one, they'll change the aperture a little different and take a note. Oh, so that's what that image looks like. And then when they, when they develop the photos, they'll go back and be like, so that one with that shading was with that aperture. Oh, and then when I did this aperture... So it's a huge learning experience. It's not just 50 shots repeatedly. No, what you say there, the key is to reflect. Yeah, it's to reflect on the context or to reflect on what you might have learned. The the funny thing is, and I, I... I came upon this about a year ago when, you know, people always talk about, I want to, whether you're a 20 handicap or a three, everyone says, oh, I just want to be more consistent. 
But in actual fact, what I think people want is more reliability. And reliability mm. is built through evidence and experience and knowing that no matter what happens, you'll be okay in that moment. Yeah, and that's an incredible word for golfers because golfers think reliability comes from it nailing something down, dialing it in, grooving it in. It's got to be perfect on every single shot. If I can get my swing into this position every single time, then that, as, as if we are some single cell organism, but of course, <laughs> Sorry. we're far more than just an amoeba, you know? We've got 206 bones, of which there are between 650 and 850 muscles pulling on it, depending on what origin insertion you're talking about. Not to mention all the other baggage that we bring with it and arguments you'll have had with your partner the day before and so on and so forth. It's not about control. It's actually about being free. Right. And able to be comfortable. What, what's my swing? That's my swing. Do you know what I'm going to get really good at? I'm going to get good at my swing. I'm going to own my swing, not someone else's swing. And being comfortable with being uncomfortable. I had access the other day to this beautiful short game area. I was out by myself. I got my music playing. I got the a couple <laughs> hours. And I just kept putting myself in different situations, including I had, this, I had a situation where I could literally have to pitch over a tree 40 or 50 yards. And I, I mean, it. I was like, okay, what would happen? How many different shots can I play? And so when I went to the golf course yesterday, it wasn't like my swing was feeling so great. It's feeling fine. But I have this feeling of like, well, if I hit it over here, I'm sure I can figure a way out of it. And that's the yeah. reliability. Um, it's interesting you say that and, and because I've, I had a question only recently about this very topic about problem solving and the d decision making. And the guy asked me, he said, yeah, but, it, you know, at what age do you start this? And I said, well, you know what? I'm I'm a dad, so I'm one of I'm one of a, a few dads who who take the under 11s soccer team in my club. Just one of the dads. But as our as a group of coaches, what we've done the last couple of seasons is we have taken a step back from the kids and actually let them lead the process. And he was like, I am. When they were nine, I was like, Yep, when they were nine. And I think even the year before that, but definitely when they were nine, and they're ten now. And he was like, well, what's that like? And I said, well, it's, it's lovely because now at 10, they're already good decision makers, way yeah. better than their peers. And I said, and now even at a game, our, our halftime talk will start with, okay, guys, what, what, did, what happened out there for you? What, what's worked well for you? What would you like to do? Are you happy with the formation you've got? And he's like, you mean you don't tell them what to do? I said, well, how, how, I don't know what it's like to be 10 anymore. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> wish. I so wish. they're the ones going. They're out there playing in a seven v seven match, and it all. You know what I mean? I said, we want them to feel like they have ownership, and it's and it's again, we're 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 fortunate. The group of the, I'm one of just a few dads, but we're all on the same page, so that makes it easy. So we're all just feeding into this idea of well, let's just ask them good questions. Let's just then when they come to training, let's just put some good problems in front of them, and let's just get out of the way. Let's coach the environment and what? the kids. And that's brilliant. And the thing is, you know, I, I, I play at a club with a lot of sort of, you know, guys around 45, 55, 65. And, you know, the range was filled yesterday. And I was I came from my new job is to go to rehab. I go to physio every other day. And so I was at physio. So I knew I was kind of stretched out. And that's why I wasn't worried that I only had a half an hour before we teed off. But I get there and you can just see it. It's the range is filled with guys trying to perfect one motion. 
And when I put my first ball down, I had my alignment rod, I, and I had already warmed up, and I was feeling pretty good. But I put a wedge down on the ground, and I said, okay, where am I going to hit it? I know the yardage. Where on this green am I going to try and hit it? Because I knew I only had a couple of minutes. And it, it does, even though there isn't the consequence of, oh, you know, something terrible if I don't do this, there's just a sense of your brain going, okay, as you said to me a few months ago, what is the what is the sh- when we talked a few months ago about every hole is a puzzle to be solved, but every shot is a piece of that puzzle in that hole. So I started yesterday's session by going, okay, what's the problem to be solved here? Where on this green do I want to hit this first shot of the day? Because yeah. I know I, I've hit enough golf balls. I know I'm going to hit it, you know, and I had a, it was funny because I've been playing, I haven't played a lot, but I've been playing pretty well. I had a top five in a really good tournament last week a top six the next day last night I, last night I finished second on men's night 120 guys I shot 73 but there were moments in that round where it went wrong I mean there was a yeah. period I was under par for the first little while but then there was three holes in a row I made bogeys a couple of three putts I misjudged but as I said to Tim at no part at no point was I thinking well the day's over I was just thinking okay what's the next hole What's the and that's next some problem? of the stuff I do. Uh, the last last week, there was a few of the guys were off tour, and so I set up a game. and And the reason I kind of take on take up these games is that over the last kind of year or so, I've been asking them, you know, oh, you're off tour. Oh, yeah, there's a few of us going out for a game, and we'll play for some a bit of cash, and you know, this kind of. Thing. And I started asking them, so what's the game? And I and I got quite irate on a few occasions. That's not a game, guys. I'm sorry. That's just bullshit. Sorry, like you're really not. And, and were you nervous? Oh yeah, by the 16th it was tight. Oh <laughs> yeah, you know you played 15 holes where you weren't feeling the the competition. And oh well, yeah, well there was a rule here, but you know I was out of that one by the fourth hole, so that was finished. And I was like, oh my god. So I started saying, I'm going to put together a game, and let's you know I'm going to put the rules. I'm going to put you know what I mean because I was, that's my that's my that's my job. I'm I'm the guy who's going to manipulate the environment. You got to try and survive in it and then thrive in it if you can if you can do that. And last week we had a game. We were in, in Mount Juliet. Magnificent course. Incredible. It's the place where Tiger Woods won one of the WC events at 2,500 years ago. Yeah. And we were on the 14th hole with three guys. And, one, and one of the guys were like, they were just, okay, what's the, what's the score? And I told them what the score was. And I told them where their consequences were at and who was up and down and all this kind of the deep and on the, the forfeits. And a guy turned around and he said, I, I actually have no idea what my score is. I'm, <laughs> in. I'm so locked in on the task. I don't know what my score is. Yeah. And, and I was like, how's that feeling? He said, I don't know, because all I'm thinking about is the next shot. He's just, I'm just, you've, you've narrowed my focus in. The only thing that matters right now is the next shot. That's right. You know, I, and, just, and the, the, the irony of it is the, the guy, and then I'm not saying that the other guys weren't feeling it because they, they, they were all saying, yeah, no, me too. But the guy who was the first to say it was the guy who won. And yet on the 14th, he had no idea what his score was because yeah. he was so locked in the task the process was what was consuming him not the outcome well i know that uh the way i've been practicing this spring um because of some of the things we've talked about and some other little games i've picked up along the way have prepared me for the inevitable chaos that golf can deal us you know i i hadn't played any tournaments I qualified for a tournament then i got injured and i missed a bunch of big tournaments and it was yeah i was disappointed but i'm like well I'm nearly a hundred. This is going to happen. 
So I, my, so my, my point is my very first tournament back is a big invitational at a golf course that's very prestigious. And I was so excited to be back playing tournament golf. And I start on the back nine. It's a par three and I dump. And so I'm hitting like a, a nine iron, 160 yard downhill. And I'm like ready to play. And I dump my ball in the water. And I'm like, well, that's not the big, that's not the start I wanted. And I got a drop behind a pond. I got a 60 yard pitch shot. And I, you know, I get it on the green and I make a double bogey. And that's how my day began. And yeah. I was like, okay, that's cool. And then I end up finishing in the top five. But my point about it is that I just, all of this build up and then I just dump my, I literally, the first swing of the day and it's in the water. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm, you know, that's how this is, that's how this is going to start. It's not how, it doesn't define the day. It's just, yeah. that's one shot I hit. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And, and I was able to bring, because that the second, the third shot after I dropped, it wasn't an easy shot. But I was able to bring my attention to it because I've hit difficult shots all spring. Mm. I've hit tougher. Saw, sh- I've I had tougher shots than that. Day. I saw a quote there the other day: "Winners and losers have the same goals, just not the same process." So last week in the U.S. Open, they all wanted to win. Everyone had the same goal of the 180 uh, guys who, who teed it up. They all had the same goal. But did they all have the same process? And, of course, they were going to have different processes, but were their processes effective? Did they all have an effective process to be able to cope with the, you know, the fact that, oh, the greens are softer than I would have hoped for. Oh, I was hoping for it to be this way, but it's not. Oh, they've made this. And do they have that capacity just to have a process that is robust, that actually helps them, and I'm going back to that, not only survive the conditions, but to thrive in the conditions. That's right. A huge part of that is being able to move on, being able to have that behavior. And again, I'm not saying to people, like the guys that I work with will tell you, I'm not telling them you can't think that. I'm saying, no, have, a, have as crazy the thoughts as you like. Yeah. As bananas as you like, so long as you are working on the skill of resetting, bringing it back, you're a human. I'm not going to tell you how to conduct yourself when you, if you're upset. But what I'm going to work on is how to get beyond that for the next shot. Well, I can tell you, starting this weekend, uh, I'm defend. I, so Saturday, Sunday, I am the uh, defending champion in this tournament. And then okay. Monday, and then Monday, I have one chance to qualify for this tournament that I didn't get to play in last year. So there's right. a lot on the line. And and yeah, I'd like to win and qualify. But here's what I know: on Saturday morning at 7:40, I know that no matter what happens, I'm going to hit the next shot and the next shot. And at the end, if I win, great. If I don't, I know one thing. I know I'm going to try in every shot. I'm going to look at every shot as its own entity. Because what I didn't tell you is that in that tournament last Monday, I started double bogey, bogey, and then wow. I and I double bogeyed the four holes later, made another double bogey, and I was only one wow. of one of five guys that broke eighty on this tough golf course, because I was like, I've made double bogeys before and I've made birdies before, <laughs> and I'm gonna make them again, and I'm gonna three putt and I'm gonna hit a bad chip, but it's it's all about what you do, as you said to me, it's like you got another puzzle to solve. That's all you got to look at it. The, the game of golf for me is 18 puzzles that are made up of either three, four, or five pieces. Yeah. Part three is a three-piecer. But you know what? Sometimes sometimes you're, you, sometimes you're going to go to the box with the puzzle of the piece, and two pieces are going to be stuck together. And you're like, oh, wow, I just got that in a two-piecer. Yeah. It's a bird. Our other parts, you're going to be thinking, whoa, okay, <laughs> this piece is actually broken. I've got to find an extra piece. It's going to take me four bits to make this three-part puzzle. 
move on. You're engaged in that space of just trying to figure it out. Don't get ahead of yourself and certainly don't bring what's just happened into the present moment and just... It, it, and again, that it's to normalize it. Next week, you're going to play a good golf because of the things you've talked about, but also because you're not going to add any additional baggage to the fact that this is a bigger tournament. Well, and the fact, that, it, the fact that you're thinking, of course you'd like to win it. Yeah, of course. That's expectations. That's expectations. That's no, there's no problem with that. It's just then when the expectations begin to slide that you don't let it slide out of control. You actually bring it back on to still allow allow the possibility that these expectations are going to come true. Well, it's like Brooks Kepka said, and I'm not saying this other than as an observation, but he looks he looks at a golf tournament just like Nicholas did, like Tiger did, and says, you know, a lot of people are going to lose their shit because, as you said, they're doing things they haven't done all year. For me, and it's like my I have a friend that used to be on the tour here in Canada, and, and you know, he's... He's a guy that we talk about tournament golf with all the time. And he said, Howard, even though you haven't played, you know how to play tournament golf. And I, mm. and I know I know. That's the thing. Mm. And I look at the guys I'm playing against this weekend, and there's some really good players. But mm. I know one thing. I play more tournament golf than most of them. And so mm. Saturday morning, it won't be the first time I have felt that way. And I know yeah. I'm going to feel excited and, ex- and nervous. But I know that given... You know, there's the old saying in golf. Everyone, everyone's handicap eventually shows up. Yeah. Every, it just does. And I'm True. confident that if I give myself the opportunity, mine will show up too. True. All Someone right. asked me really, la, la, only just during the week, he was like, "How is there a quick way that I can, uh, I can induce pressure on myself? I said, yeah, 100%. I said, all right, really, that easy. Yeah, no problem at all. I said, but you got to commit to it. He said, okay, well, what is it? I said, I want you to go to the golf club. And I want you to get ready to go and play and whatever else. And and if you don't, if you if you bogey the first hole, you go home. <laughs> I love that. I said that's pressure. That's pressure. That's it. You only get to go to the second tee if you have a par or better. So you'll feel it from the get go. None yeah, of man. this six holes. I got it. No, no. On the first tee. So if you want to induce what it's going to feel like in three weeks' time when you're playing the competition. Go and do it. Yeah, drive all the way there. Power it. Or, and if you don't power it, you walk in. Yeah. Well, I was on the putting green a couple of days ago, and I had my little station set up, and I'm doing some block practice, and I noticed a couple of guys around my age, and they were chipping, 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 chipping. This one guy said to his friend, he goes, uh, you look like you got it dialed in. And I sort of was, as I laughed, I said, yeah, you haven't missed a shot. And then they were about to leave the putting green. And he said, his friend said something. This is true. He said, you know, blah, 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 blah take it to the golf course. I say, hey, well, then I'll tell you what. I said, if you want, and I said this to him because they were sort of joking with me. I said, if you want to take it to the golf course before you leave, why don't you guys play closest to for 50? And they sort of smiled. I said, seriously? I said, why don't you two just now, one ball, see who can get it closest to for 50? Because then you'll know if you can take it to the golf course. <laughs> I love it. Dr. Ed Colin, that, I got your name right after three you months. Did. It was good. The tutorial worked. <laughs> Uh, thanks again for today, pal. And no, uh, hard. well, uh, thanks to Tim. We'll uh, run this as our podcast extra. Uh, wish me Let's luck. Let's get in touch next week after that event. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. After Monday, and I when I qualify for this thing, I'm literally my my. I'm gonna have four weeks to get ready, and uh, I. Re- I know it sounds weird to say that I want to win it. I do want to win it. Why else would I play? Yeah, exactly. Like, what, what else am I doing this for? There, there, there's nothing wrong with expecting expecting things to happen. There's nothing wrong with dreaming big. Yep. It's 
how you cope with the process of that is is that's that that's that's how you can unlock. Sweet talking to you again, my friend. You take care. Dear, bye. bye. Take care. Bye. That's Doctor Ed. His goodbye and meeting. Bye. We're done. All right.